Hello and welcome to DAM, Doug's Acute Mental Neuroses. My name is Doug and these are my acute mental neuroses. Now, the last couple of weeks I've had a pretty easy, uh, low anxiety. I can still find things to, you know, obviously analyze and pick apart and look at uh, in my life, but uh, this week was uh, radically different. Um, I've got some fun stuff to go through and some anxiety stuff to go through and some slight nervous breakdown stuff to go through. So we're just going to start. Um, and kind of jump around the list you can't see. I'm no good at comforting people. Despite my progress, despite the empathy I've learned, um, it seems that the empathy I've learned is only towards certain people. I'm still struggling with uh, empathy as a whole. I had a coworker who was having a rough time in her personal life. Um, she had a hard time leaving kind of her baggage at the door, which was fine, and she kind of broke down a little, and I was like, I don't know what to do. So I did like the awkward pat on the back was like, hey, if you need to go out and have a cigarette and just breathe for five minutes, you know, great. If you need to talk about it, let's not do it at the counter. Let's do it, you know, in the back. There are no customers. I'm sorry if a customer comes up and I have to, you know, walk away while you're in the middle of something deep. And it was just one of those, like, I don't, I'm not, I still, you know, it, it was, I immediately had that very male thing of I want to fix this as opposed to just listening and, and processing someone else's emotions and I fought that fixing urge very hard and managed to kind of conquer and go okay like let's you know break it down and if you want the advice I'll give it if you don't like I'm just here um, which sounds very empathetic and sounds very good but it you know was very uh, awkward at first for me uh, that I was no good at comforting I never have been a part of that was that I didn't have a strong uh, strongly developed empathy, and I obviously still don't. It's developing, but I wouldn't say strongly. I'm, you know, once again, it looks good on paper. It's it's like a musician. Instead of, uh, you know, it's like I know the theory, I know the music theory behind emotion, but I'm still doing learning the play by ear and the natural uh, proclivity for it. So that was, uh, you know, very uh, an interesting. Um, experience just to start off this podcast with. In terms of, of network stuff, there was a huge project that uh, I unintentionally made for myself. Uh, I kind of fucked up and I was backing up some stuff on uh, one of our external hard drives and I managed to delete uh, our um, raw audio backups of every show. This one, no applause, just the clap, shooting the gap. Some of the, the edited music and um, some of the Skype recordings from Gonzo while he was out of town. That was a big moving things from the server back to my computer, then back to an external hard drive. And I always have an external hard drive because my computer is, I wouldn't say ancient, but in wizened uh, a bit. It's, it's, it's been around for a little while and uh, I don't have the hard drive space right now to just take on all of the raw audio because um, they're fairly large once you start adding in all of the themes and tags and um, ask a super villains for uh, no applause and stuff like that. So um, so that was the uh, mass raw audio exodus from the uh, server to the uh, external hard drive and I thought it would take me, it, it took me about three, four days. Um, you know, I wasn't doing it 24-7. Um, but it did take me a lot less time than I thought it would, which was great. Um, I just kind of did it in huge chunks and did, you know, a third of the clap, you know, and I could set it up to do it in the background um, at my day job. So that really helped out. 
So that was that was good in terms of other network stuff. I finally got the time to watch movies. Uh, I've talked the last couple of weeks about not having any time. You know that my time management is very structured and very strict, and I finally got ahead enough um, that I've talked about before that I get to sit down and watch movies. I actually have the time now that I'm ahead enough. I can kind of go, hey, you know, I don't need to edit this today. I can just watch a movie and I'll edit it tomorrow. This isn't time sensitive, or I don't need to work on something that needs to go up. You know, in a couple of days, it's already. Done. It was already done last week, so that feels really good and very relaxing that I finally get to see movies. And we'll be talking about that more on No Plus Just the Clap because this is not necessarily an entertainment show per se. Um, but I did watch uh, RoboCop and uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I'll be talking about that on the No Plus that would have gone up I think last mm-hmm. week. Personally speaking, there were a few things that kind of caught me. Ah, here's actually one that I kind of want to end the the talk about the network on was that I had a bit of criticism about it. I had um, someone, um, that when I wasn't around, say this, uh, that, you know, they thought the the No Applause show um, was stupid and that I was stupid for wasting all of my time and energy on this network as, as something, you know, to make a living at and, you know, to pour all of this, like I said, uh, energy and time creativity into. You know, I kind of took it in stride, which was radically different than I would have taken it um, a couple years ago. It would have very much been like, you know, the fuck you, what have you done? Um, I'm doing this for me. Um, but it was a more dem- demure, like, and I'm doing this for me. It was one of those, like, you know, not everyone's going to get this, and I'm not doing it for the people that aren't getting it. I'm doing it for the people that get it and, you know, support it. Maybe not necessarily this show. This show is very much me. But, uh, you know, no applause, shooting the, shooting the gap, the upcoming shows like Fear Agents and, um, and Golden Cartridge, uh, and especially KPAC, and I think it's going to be very niche. You know, I'm not doing it for, for everybody. I'm doing it for the people that like it, I, that get it. And if you don't get it, that's fine. Uh, you know, it's subjective. It's, it's like comedy. Not everyone's going to get your point of view. Not everyone's going to get, you know, your voice. And that's fine. You know, Deb has always maintained that we started No Applause just for us. And I'm the one that wanted to push it to kind of a business level and start a network and have multiple shows. Part of that is, you know, I want to be my own boss. I want to, um, you know, kind of have a bit more control over my professional life. But also that I enjoy it. I mean, it gives me an outlet for the creativity of, 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 you know, designing stuff and putting things together and talking about what I want to talk about. It's fine. I, I posted something on Facebook where I said, you know, and this is absolute true that the pride, um, the pride and fun I have creating these things completely eclipses the fear that no one will like them. Um, and it took me a long time to get there. And if anyone listens to this, listening to this, or, or that has listened to this, um, or will listen to this, uh, depending on, on you know when you hear it, um, and you're looking again to you know maybe rediscovering your creativity after you know years of downtime like I did. Or you're just wondering how to, you know, start a podcast or start drawing again or finish that novel or, you know, whatever. Just sit down and do it. And you know what? Write what you would want to read. I guarantee you, your influences, people obviously read them because you read them. And the same goes for you. People will find you. Just keep doing good work and people will notice. And I hope that we're doing good work on the network. Um, You know, I think... Once we bump up to doing um, original content on on YouTube and, and all that, I think you know the, the network. That's where it's really going to pop, 
and when we start doing, uh, and I keep talking about it, and it's just, you know, I need, I need to get into the, the planning uh, of it all and, and coordinating everything. But once we start doing live events and really start getting that exposure, people will see what we're doing, and then that'll really, like, hey, this is, you know, hopefully good work and you like it. And, you know, if we get some listeners out of it, some subscribers, and, you know, we can move on professionally, then great. That completely took me out of the mindset to go to the next point, which was I go dark places. And some of this is, you know, personal, and some of it is just weird. Uh, just my brain and my personality. You know, part of, of going to dark places is prone, being slightly prone to, to getting down on myself and, and depression and, you know, the feeling that, you know, this isn't working. Or And I talked about this, I think, weeks ago where I had kind of this like wave of like, you know, do I really want to keep doing this if, if, if it's not going to go anywhere? And it's, yes, I do. Um, for the reasons I just said about five, ten seconds ago. What really spawned this was that I saw a bunch of pigeons and they were just standing there milling about because they've completely eliminated their fear of humans uh, in downtown. And I'm like, I could just kick one of these. I could just kick a pigeon. And I'm like, who the fuck just thinks I could just kick this harmless ignorant, blissfully ignorant pigeon, you know, who takes pictures of, of, you know, dead things or, you know, and all of this. And once again, it's, it's a lot for me. It's a lot of, you know, I read a lot of dark stuff. I think I have a dark sense of humor a, a lot of the time. Uh, not, maybe not so much on this show. Um, it really hasn't popped up, but, um, but on clap it has. And it's just, I have a dark sense of humor and my brain goes dark places you know, it was just one of those where I, I never really thought about it before but until this, like, jarring thought of kicking a pigeon. And it was just like, dude, thing's just there. You can just kick it. Like, it's not gonna it's not gonna run from you. It doesn't fear you. It's just picking at rocks to help it digest. And I'm gonna be like, oh, fucking help you digest. Punt. That's horrible. I would never do that. But it's one of those things why I will not use those giant paper cutters that, you know, the, the ones your art teachers used uh, in elementary school that they would never let you touch and it looked like it might have killed someone in the uh, they're based on, um, you know, guillotines and something that might have killed French aristocrats in the rev in the revolution. I don't like using those because I always have this fear that I'm going to want to cut my hand off or cut my finger off or just to see how sharp it is or just because it's there. Um, Hardwick talks about this on The Nerdist and I have the exact same anxiety of um, one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of tall buildings um, and going to the top of them is because I really do have a fear that, like, my brain will just click some, just decouple or, or click in a different way and go, what if I just jumped? But what if I, did? and I wouldn't be able to stop myself. Um, not out of a, a depression, but out of this weird uh, curiosity or just, uh, you know, drop of like dopamine and, you know, it's like, what the fuck? Or, you know, what if you just pushed a person on the, on the train tracks? What if you just did it? Like, that's fucking terrifying. But that's, a, a, you know... And I think a lot of us have these thoughts, but, uh, you know, we don't act on them. But it was just jarring when I had that one about the pigeon, and it just kind of the tsunami of other thoughts, like the buildings and the paper cutters and all that, kind of went, oh, wow, I uh, I go some places in my head that I understand why uh, Hardwick talks about, you know, not wanting to be in your head, and this show is um, a vehicle for me to get out of my head um, and go, look, I have all these things that are in there, I need to get them out, so... Um, I have room for, you know, cupcakes and rainbows and other things Lisa Frank Trapper Keepers have on them. That kind of, you know, 
Yeah, so there's that. Let's get into some of the horrible crap, and then we'll wrap up on some good crap. Last weekend, I had a series of um, setbacks that luckily I was financially prepared for. Um, since I was saving up for a new computer, I had the disposable income to, you know, attack these problems and solve them. But uh, they were very anxiety-creating. That's so not a, a thing. It was. It, they were so not detrimental. I mean, they are detrimental, but um, I'm just going to jump into it, and then you can see what I'm trying to say here. First things first, on a Friday, my power supply died on me. And this was the spare power supply that had died on me. This was a Friday that Saturday I had to record two different shows, and obviously if the computer has no power, I cannot record. If the computer has no power, I cannot get to, you know, cushion episodes to upload them and, you know, say, hey, we're sorry, you know, I'm having technical difficulties, but here's what we kind of have as a, as a backup plan. Like, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So I kind of started freaking out, having a nervous breakdown. I was scrambling to find a place that sold uh, the MagSafe power supplies for Max that wasn't an Apple store because I didn't have the time to run all the way to Cherry Creek or Park Meadows. Um, luckily, I found Radio Shack sold them, and of course, the Radio Shack that was on the way to the first show it didn't have them. I had to kind of overshoot all the way downtown and then back up into Capitol Hill and then on, on the way to that the train broke down and I had to jump trains and then I ended up overshooting on the train line and, and um, you know getting off the final destination and then uh, uh, backtracking to the, the radio shack uh, before going you know up to Capitol Hill. It was a goddamn mess on just the power supply but I was really having a nervous breakdown about oh my god oh my god oh my god like what what would happen if the computer crapped out or what would happen if I just couldn't use it, you know, not to watch movies or shows or, you know, entertain myself like that, but, but to, uh, as a business thing. So that was, uh, interesting. Uh, and you know, of course, uh, I had a hard time calming down after that. Uh, and there's something else I haven't mentioned at the beginning, uh, of the show or, or even, but I want to say that the weekend was also a roller coaster because of a good thing. Um, I got a copy, the proof copy of my first novel, The Strangest Kindness. I'm sure you've seen pictures on Facebook and Twitter, I hope. So I will let everyone know if and when that goes uh, public. And um, but so I, I was very excited, but at the same time, like the the anxiety and like fear of of the power supply was outweighing everything because it was like, yeah, great, that's good, and I can deal with good, but this is bad, and I need to, you know. Uh, it really kind of upset me in a way that I couldn't really shake um, until the middle of the day. When I, as just as I'm becoming great, and this is on Saturday afternoon, it's like I get done recording a show, everything works, we're fine. You know, I have the time to edit before I go, you know, to a different location to, to, to record uh, the second show of the night. And I, of course, drop my phone. Um, now I have a case, it's not really shock absorbent, as I learned. Uh, and I think I dropped it just right, where it just spiderwebbed the whole screen. Fully functioning. I mean, I'll, 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 I will give it the credit it deserves that it was fully functioning. I could text, I could check my email, I could, you know, make calls. Uh, everything, it just, it, it was this spiderwebbed mess. And uh, so, of course, I start freaking out because I'm so closely tied to my phone as well. And it's like, well, fuck, what do I do? What do I do? So, you know, luckily I had the whole day Sunday to go deal with this problem um, so right after I, I fix, you know, get a new power supply and I'm like, okay, that's, I'm set. Techno Karma again just kicks me as if I were a pigeon. And I, so I end up going to Park Meadows, ironically enough, to the Apple store and I say, I have an iPhone. And I say, I need this, you know, fixed. And they go, well, it's going to cost, 
you know, X amount of dollars, which was exorbitant to me. Um, and they said, and we're going to have to make a, you know, we can't just swap it out. We need to make an appointment at the Genius Bar, you know, to transfer everything over. And I'm going, well, I can transfer everything over. It takes me, you know, a couple hours um, less, um, depending on, you know, what, what I've got. And uh, I, I'm like, well, you know, for, for X amount of dollars, I could probably get a new phone. I could probably upgrade. So I, I make the Genius Bar appointment, and I run over to, luckily there's an AT&T store in the same mall. And I run over there and I say, look, um, I dropped my phone. This is what, you know, Apple is saying, what can you guys do for me? And after waiting an, almost an hour, they finally get a, a salesperson to, to help me. They were very busy, I guess. I The guy says, well, we can, you know, he goes, we can get you a new phone and we can kind of price it in a way um, and kind of use the system to our advantage and get you a really great deal. You know, we've been paying your bills on time. You've been with us for so many years. You know, you're not really regular in your upgrades. We can kind of roll over some upgrade, you know, pricing. And I ended up getting, jumping up from an iPhone 4, just a 4, to the 5S for significantly less money than it would take to uh, replace just the screen on a 4. So I was very impressed by AT&T. Huge lifesavers. And you'll hear me talk about the iPhone 5 on uh, No Applause because I've been having way too much fun having something like Siri where um, not only does this give me the ability to never pretty much unplug my headphones, I can just do everything hands-free to text, to email, to call. I mean, it, the, the, uh, the technology is impressive, but the um, you know fingerprint identification unlock and just the speed of the processor and, and the retina screen are just mind-blowing. Um, to someone who, like I said uh, earlier, doesn't upgrade that often. So I'm always kind of a few generations back on the phones. Um, so that was kind of my techno karma headaches. And finally, um, last week I talked about uh, Return of the Jedi versus Empire, or Empire versus Jedi, depending. Um, for chronological release, it's Empire versus Jedi. For the intensive purposes, what I talked about last week, it was actually Jedi versus Empire. And I started thinking more about it. What the shit was like Jabba's Palace. I think they called it a palace, but it was like a bar, a casino, a haunt for degenerates and bounty hunters, and and like criminals. Like what? what I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I've, I've nailed everything that was in there. But like, what? What was it? Like, what, like the woman that dances before um, Jabba uh, drops her to like to feed the rancor. Like, is she some kind of weird stripper? And then then is he like a pimp? Is there a prostitution vibe to it? Like. Because who fucks those pig creatures? That's what I want to know. Like, you, they'd have to pay, like, the chick with a jester hat before she's eaten, obviously. Or maybe after. I don't know their carnal delights. What, what the shit was that? Like, it, it, it was like a fortress, and he had a skiff. He had, like, a mobile palace. Like, is he like the wolf of, of, of the Wall Street of Tatooine, where he just has his big fucking fuck-off house and a big fuck-off yacht? Like, I, I, honestly, like, I, and he's, and he's a gangster, I believe, so they kind of set him up as, like, a godfather, but he seemed, like, I, I'm just wondering, I'm wondering about, like, the politics of Tatooine, in terms of, like, what influence he has in the politics, because he shows up at the pod races, which wouldn't be analogous to, like, horse racing, and you're like, okay, well, that's obviously fucking mob, 
but it seems as if he has some kind of obviously like bot political power as well. And it just like, it's just like, what the fuck is Jabba, man? Like, what is he doing? Fucking, I'm just, uh, I'm confused about it. Huh, on that note, and what is a hut? Is that a surname or is that a species? Or is it like, a, you know, Genghis Khan? Like, I don't, I don't understand the hut either. So I don't get Jabba or the hut. Um, I'm gonna have to go back. I'm gonna have to Google him. Anyway, uh, for damn Doug's acute mental neuroses, I am Doug, and for damn Doug's acute mental neuroses, these have been my acute mental neuroses. Good night, internet. This has been a Blood Alcohol Content Network production. Executive producers, Deb Barnett and Doug Nickbert. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and BACN Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening to the BACN, your home for almost bacon and banjo!